Well, good morning. Good to see each and every one of you. Hopefully you have an outline. If you'll go ahead and get that out. This is our last lesson in the series on values. And we're going to conclude by talking about the most important value of all, and that's love. I want to begin by asking you a values question. Suppose you are in a rubber raft with your best friend. You have just had a shipwreck. In the raft, you have a set of flares, food for a week, five gallons of water. In order to be rescued, you're going to have to throw one thing overboard. So what do you throw overboard? A, the set of flares. B, the food for a week. C, your uh, five gallons of water. Or D, your best friend. If you answer D, I would throw my best friend overboard, then I'm glad the Lord has brought you here today for this lesson on love. Jesus was asked the ultimate values question by some experts in the law, some lawyers who came to him and said, what is the greatest commandment? Now that's something they had been debating for a long time. They were always debating over which commandment was the greatest. And so Jesus does not hesitate at all. He says in Matthew 12, the most important command is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And you know, while we're discussing it, the second command is this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There are no commands more important than these. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the last verse of that chapter, it says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So there's two questions. Number one, what is love? And number two, why is love the greatest? So how do you build love in a relationship so that you feel like this is going to last rather than I think this is going to fail? If you want to enjoy genuine love in your life, it starts by asking, what is love? Now, as you know, love is one of the most misunderstood words in the English language because there's so many variants of it. I love my wife. I love my country. I love my truck. I love my dog. I love pizza. Same word, but a different usage each time. And so because of that, oftentimes it's very difficult to evaluate love. So I would like for you to consider this letter and you decide if this girl is really in love with this guy. Dearest Ben, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I've felt since breaking off our engagement. Please say that you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. 
So please forgive me. I love you so much. And I am yours forever. Jennifer. P.S. Congratulations on winning the $40 million state lottery. So genuine love for Ben or genuine love for money? There's a lot of misconceptions about love that have come to us through the media and especially Hollywood. There's sentimental love from the 1970 movie Love Story. Love is never having to say you're sorry. There's cynical love from the song, What's love got to do, got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? You know? There's romanticized love. You think you are going to be marrying Prince Charming, and he turns out to be Prince Grumpy. So what exactly is love? Well, first let's take a look at a couple of misconceptions about love. Number one, love is just a feeling. That's a misconception. That it's just a feeling. Oh, it's a feeling, all right, and a great feeling, right? Nothing like the feeling of being in love. But love is more than a quiver in the liver or an ocean of emotion. Okay. So there was this Peanuts cartoon I was reading. And Charlie Brown and Linus are talking to each other. Linus is talking about a girl. And he says, she was so cute. I used to sit by her in Sunday school every week. And we would just sit and stare at each other. Sometimes she would smile at me. Now she switched churches. And Charlie Brown says, that will change your theology in a hurry. Oftentimes we let our emotions motivate us to do things that we might not normally do. So love is a feeling, but it's more than a feeling. Then another misconception about love is that it's uncontrollable. We have this misconception that love is uncontrollable and we see it in expressions like, I, I just fell in love. It was kind of like you were walking along a dark road one night and you couldn't see anything and you just tripped and fell into a ditch. It was a pure accident and you had no control over it at all. Now, here's what God says about love. Number one, love is a matter of choice. That's what the Bible says. Love is a matter of choice. Now, Jesus commands us to love each other. Now, you cannot command feelings. I mean, I can stand here. If you came in here not feeling too good, I can stand here and say, feel good. Feel good right now, every one of you. Feel good. And you know, you'll say, oh, come on, Bruce. You're not going to necessarily start feeling good. You can't command feelings, but you can command a choice. And Jesus says that he wants us to make the choice to love each other. So here's the passage in Colossians 3.14. It says, over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together. Would you circle, put on love? It's kind of like when you get up in the morning, you make a choice as to what you're going to put on. 
You make a choice as to what you are going to wear. The Bible says that we make the choice that we are going to love. So love is a choice. And then, second thing the Bible says is love is a matter of conduct. It's a matter of conduct. It's a matter of doing some things. It says in 1 John 3.18, Let us stop just saying we love people. Let us really love them and show it by our actions. Now, God is not commanding you to have a warm affection for everyone. He's commanding us to love people because love is not just a feeling. It is an action. It is a matter of conduct. It is a matter of doing some things. So what is love biblically? It's, it's a choice and it is a an action. It's a matter of conduct. Well, what exactly does love do? Exactly how does love act? What are some characteristics or qualities of love? Well, let's look at a few of them. In 1 Corinthians 13, there is a very simple list on what love is and what love does. First of all, love is patient. Love is patient. It says, right there in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. I was thinking of a, of a definition of patience, kind of just a short definition, because in America we like things just to be right to the point and short. So I came up with one word. That short enough? <clears throat> Here's a one-word definition of patience. Time. Time. Like, like on a watch. T-I-M-E. Time. Isn't that really what patience is? It's waiting for people to make a decision. It's waiting for people to do the right thing. It's spending time with your spouse and your children. So basically, patience is time. Now, this says this in Ephesians 4 too. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Watch this. Now watch how he's going to expand on the be patient. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Now, I don't know about you, but I wish that the verse ended with be patient with each other and did not have that last part. Patience is making allowances for other people's faults because of your love. Now, I looked up the word patience just the dictionary, just the, the basic word, it literally means to take a long time to boil. <clears throat> and I know this, when it comes to relationships, you definitely need a long fuse more than a short fuse, right? Patience is not finishing someone else's sentence for them, but listening to them. Patience is letting your wife finish telling you her story even though you already know the punchline and you know how it ends. Because men and women are made different. I'm not just talking about the obvious differences, and I'm all for those. I'm talking about mentally, 
emotionally, women are different. Because like when you ask your husband what happened, <clears throat> he gives it to you in like one sentence. You just get like the sentence, and then he's ready to move on. When you ask your wife about something, she has to begin by going back two or three days. And she has to set up and, and build the foundation and set the stage. And then, you know, you, then you go to the next level and the next level. And the whole time you're thinking, oh, come on, come on, come on. You know, you know. And, and when she does get to the punchline, which you've kind of known it all along, you act surprised. Right? Why? Well, because you are being patient and patience is about time. So love is patient. It's taking a long time to boil. And then, here's another one. Love is kind. It says, love is kind. It's a pretty original point, isn't it? Yeah, love is kind. Now, in that same passage in the J.B. Phillips translation, I like this. It says, love looks for a way of being constructive. Love looks for a way of being constructive. So would you, a way of being constructive. So would you circle being constructive? Circle that. Love looks for ways to improve someone else's life. It builds people up. Kindness is a practical expression of love, whether it's saying something nice or doing something nice. Kindness does not purposely embarrass other people. So there was this cartoon. And Charlie Brown and Lucy are in the same room. And Charlie Brown gets a phone call. And there's a girl on the line. And she says, hey, Chuck, how are you doing? Guess what I'm running for? The Queen of the May at my school. And Charlie Brown says, wow, well, that's great. At my school, Lucy just won the award. Of course, Lucy's right there. And, and the girl says to her, ha ha, Chuck, your school must have pretty low standards if Lucy won the award. And Charlie Brown turns and says to Lucy, she says, congratulations. See, that's kindness. That's love in action. In a survey, people were asked, what is the number one quality that you look for in a leader? And at the top of the list was someone who can encourage my heart. And that's what kindness does. Ephesians 4.32 in the Living Bible, be kind to each other. Okay, what, what would that involve? Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you because you belong to Christ. So to be kind is to be tender-hearted and forgiving. I Love acts uh, toward others in the same way that God has acted toward us. Now, I came across this quote on kindness. I don't have a name for it. There was no name. It says this, Beginning today, Treat everyone you meet as if they're going to be dead by midnight. Extend to them all the care, kindness, and understanding you can muster, and do it without any thought of reward, 
And your life will never be the same again. So love is kind. And then a third quality is love is not showy. I think that's a word. Showy. It's not showy. The Bible says, love does not envy. What's the difference between envy and jealousy? Well, jealousy is where I want what you have. That's jealousy. Envy is much more intense. I not only want what you have, I want you to lose what you have. I not only want my grass to be greener than your grass, I am praying that your grass gets a disease and turns brown. That's envy. And envy can show up in any kind of relationship from the family to the factory to school. We compare everything from clothes to boyfriends. One woman said, I'm allergic to fur. Every time I see my best friend and one, I get sick. So we live in a very competitive world. And the advertising business is all about creating envy. If you buy our product, if you own our product, drive our car, you will be the envy of the neighborhood. So, what can we do? Here's a couple of suggestions. Number one is resist comparing yourself to others. Now, there is some comparison that's good, uh, competition that is good, helps to bring out the best of you. But you know what I mean when I say resist comparing yourself to others. Satisfaction comes from knowing that you are doing the best you can do. And it doesn't matter what field you work in. From your perspective, there's always going to be somebody that appears to be doing a better job than you. There's always someone who seems like more money than you, better life than you, bigger house than you, better cars than you, better looking husband than yours. You know, those kind of things. Resist comparing to others. And then two, this is a tough one. Learn to rejoice in what you have. Okay? This is really tough because one of the reasons why I'm oftentimes miserable is because you look so good. I'm miserable because you look good. And you know, there's some young guy in his 20s. It's just a young guy. You know what I mean? I mean, he has like muscles. Got real, real muscles. Not the stuff that's behind here. Has the real muscles, you know? He doesn't have any love handles. No love handles. You know, there's a you know, flat stomach like this. He's just a real beefcake, you know. And I'm thinking, you know, if I starved myself for five weeks and ran ten miles a day, you're not going to quite get around to looking like that. And you ladies, you know, you're, you're going to aerobics class. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to, 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 to look good and, and to exercise. But at that aerobics class, there's always that one teensy in a tutu. Oh, I might have put on three pounds this weekend. I might weigh 104. Let me tell you what the deal is. Number one, she's about 22. And, and number two, she's had no babies.
So in a few years after she's had her babies, we'll see how well that tutu fits on her. The truth is, you're looking good a whole lot better than you think. And so we have to learn to rejoice in what we have and stop this game of comparing. Now this is Philippians 4.11. This is Paul. He says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Would you circle learned? It is not natural to be content, especially in America. We are taught discontentment. It's called a commercial. Every commercial is about making us discontent. Well, I just don't feel good now that I don't have that new car or that new coat or that new thing. And so contentment is an educational process. It has to be learned. And one lesson that most Americans need is this. You and I already have a whole lot more than what we deserve. Most cases. So love is not showy. And then love is not selfish. It's not selfish. I don't know exactly what selfish means, but it probably has something to do with self. What do you think? <laughs> you kind of just divide the word in half. It says, love is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. So love isn't selfish. Unselfish love does three things. Number one, it changes the way we use our words. Number two, it changes the way we make our plans. And number three, it changes the way that we allow ourselves to think about other people during the day. God has unselfishly loved us and He wants us to work on loving other people the same way. So love is not selfish. And then number five, love doesn't quit. Love doesn't quit. It does not give up. 1 Corinthians 13.7 Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So never give up on yourself. Never give up on other people. That is loving God with all of your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, some of you can maybe relate to this story. As far as I know, it's a, it's a true story. And this, they were having this sales meeting, an annual sales meeting for a large company. So everybody had come together in Phoenix or Tucson or somewhere in the Southwest. And there were a couple of thousand people. And one award that the company was giving out was the Salesperson of the Year Award. And it went to this lady who had made an incredible amount of money the previous year. And so she came up for the award and she was uh, nervous standing in front of so many people and they asked her to say something. And she had a little quiver in her voice and she gave all of the credit for her success to her supervisor, Joan. She related how a couple of years earlier she really wasn't sure what her purpose in life was or or where she was was going. And she said how her supervisor 
believed in her and wanted her to succeed even more than she wanted to succeed. And so she gave all credit to the supervisor. Here's my question. Who are you being that kind of a friend to? Who are you believing in and affirming? Not because you are responsible for them, but because you are responsible to them. The bottom line is, love doesn't quit. And so I want to conclude with this thought. Jesus never gives up on you. He never quits on you. As long as you and I are breathing, the Lord will never give up on us. And it's important for us to understand that God is the God of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance, and the 100th chance. In Philippians 1.6, it says this, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus brought out the best in people and He wants to bring out the best in you. So it's important for us to remember that love is a choice. And we want to encourage you to choose Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Express your faith in Him and be baptized. Allow me or someone else whom you choose to baptize you in, in water. If you have a particular need, if we can pray for you in some way, if we can assist you in some way, please let us know what your need is while we stand and sing. <clears throat>